0: No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Silapone. Well, I would just like to apologize for in the preview episode saying that this was a week slate, Tony. What a wild week two of the NFL we just experienced. What's up, buddy?
1: Well, I think people are finding out more about Danny Parkins. There's the Kansas City audience there's the Chicago audience, there's the national audience from your time on CBS Sports Radio, but we're broadening our horizons and people are finding out, Danny, that when you predict something, the opposite almost always happens. And that has followed you, this kiss of death, for now more than a decade in radio. And I should have known better when you said this week two slate was the worst you'd ever seen, that we would actually have one of the best Sundays of the season. So par for the course. (laughs)
0: yeah you're you're right it was i mean it was stupid at times like some some of the games made no sense we'll get into the details like some of the coaches i i'm going to expand on my list of coaches who should be fired like it's it it wasn't always like high level football i thought the the four o'clock eastern three o'clock central slate like 60% 60% of those games I would classify as stupid, but regardless, uh, it's first in pod. Danny Park, Andrew Filippone. Subscribe, rate, review. We record this the second that Sunday Night Football goes live. We've been neglecting our families all day, watching all the NFL.
1: I actually had the in-laws over, and they watched the games with us, so I didn't neglect oh. anybody. I just sucked them into our vortex,
0: oh, and you. they played
1: along today. Yeah, I manipulated them
0: yeah good good and thinking
1: I wanted to spend quality time, but it was really just prepping for the show.
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's beautiful. So all right well so we'll we'll start with Sunday Night football. Uh, this was about what we expected, right? like the Bears were a plucky team. they they're they're still playing hard for the new coach, but they just don't have the talent and the Packers inexplicably, Got away from their offensive strength last week in Jones and Dillon, and they dominated the Bears front seven. Like this, this was maybe the most like two script game of the entire day, the one we just ended on.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think Aaron Rodgers, unlike some of these other quarterbacks, is okay with playing second fiddle and going to the passenger seat at times and just relying on the run game. Aaron Jones was the Packers MVP in this game. And Rogers was fine with being kind of just a fan of that, just watching and admiring what he was doing. I give him credit; he just played a smart, pretty buttoned-up game, which he's done against the Bears going back to when he became a starter uh, in 2008 after Favre retired. So I think that's the A one story there. You know, Lafleur's never lost two games in a row. You know, overall Rogers' dominance: twenty in three in his last twenty-three starts against the Bears, so he does own them, in fact. And I think on your side, Danny, if I was doing your show Monday, uh, it's like, you know, this this crap that Mike Martz put out there about fields and what he sees in fields. 71 passing yards. What is that? I mean, that's not NFL offensive football. That's under 100 passing yards in a 60-minute game and the guy didn't get injured or leave the game? That's unheard of.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he had nine pass attempts like in real time you know and then he had the the interception late when they're forcing the ball down the field look at Montgomery
1: played well and they ran the ball look at the numbers pretty good but still he's your first round pick he's got an unbelievable arm
0: yeah it's 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 unforgivable I mean the, the Bears have seven receptions by wide receivers through two games like that that doesn't make any sense and we we knew it was bad uh, but Darnell Mooney is supposed to be good. And I've been like the president of the Darnell Mooney fan club. So I'm going to definitely have to wear that on the show tomorrow. I, I still think he's going to be fine. I I think it's an issue of pass protection. I think he doesn't trust the offensive line to pass protect. I th- I think. Because it doesn't, I mean, his pedigree is not one of being overly dominant with the run game. And they have to evaluate what fields is and so I feel like week one monsoon week two on the road night game loud environment like I'm willing to give them a couple of more weeks like it's it's Texans and Giants coming up so it should get easier in terms of opponent pass rush uh, crowd conditions all that stuff Uh, but it's it's definitely concerning and the running game working was was a part of it uh one just one more thing on the Packers because I think we're still trying to figure out like who the class of the NFC is obviously we're only two weeks into this like Sammy Watkins was good today but neither Dobbs nor Watson really showed much that they're going to be able to only go so far if Rodgers doesn't have someone that they can look to like do you think they're going to be in the Odell Beckham market like or do you think that over the course of the season Lazard will get into the mix because he was like two catches today he, he needs a number one receiver and I where's Sam his next Watkins- recruiting
1: visit he did New Orleans today he did LA in week one I guess he's just jumping across all these NFL cities uh, before he signs and gets over that knee injury I agree with you I think that it would have been an R-E-L-A-X game if somebody stepped up at receiver for Green Bay but when you see Sammy Watkins 93 yards That doesn't alleviate those concerns. Lazard had two catches. I know one of them was a touchdown, but I don't think he's the answer, and the rookies have been largely quiet. So, hell yeah, they got to be in the market. Wide receivers get traded in season. Emmanuel Sanders went to San Francisco and helped them get to a Super Bowl. Randy Moss was traded in season. Those guys move in season. If Green Bay doesn't trade for a wide receiver, then, to me, they're not in it to win it.
0: Yeah, they they still have, like, a little time, obviously, to figure it out if any of those guys are going to step up. But, like, Lazard did not look special coming off the ankle injury. They just He clearly still doesn't have a one, and you can't rely on Sammy Watkins for 17 games in the playoffs. All right, let's get to the games uh, over the course of the day. Clearly the biggest story of the day is Trey Lance being out for the season in San Francisco. Did you see enough to say that it's blessing in disguise and they're better off with Jimmy G?
1: No, because they know what their ceiling is with Garoppolo offensively. The whole point of going to Lance and trading three first-round picks for him was because you thought, rightfully, I will add, that as long as he's your quarterback, there's only so far you can go with him. So now the huge ceiling for the 49ers, in my opinion, isn't there. Now they have a higher floor. Garoppolo's going to play competent football for the most part. He came in, directed a touchdown drive had that sneak at the end of the game where he went crazy and acted like he had just won the Super Bowl because I guess he's pissed at everybody there. But no, I don't think Lance, were, were there going to be growing pains and bad games? Yeah, but you, you're you living with that because you think the dual threat ability of Trey Lance is going to take you to the next level. And now that's not going to happen for San Francisco, Danny.
0: Yeah, I, I think the exact same thing. And it really complicates things in the offseason because like you'll obviously go back to Lance but now this guy will have been it'll be like three years since he played a full season of football yeah by the time next year comes around and you're just gonna have no idea if he's good or not and you're, you're because of what you gave up you're gonna be so committed to him now I do think the NFC looks horrible so it <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if like they actually won the NFC and their ceiling somehow raised with Garoppolo, even if he didn't get any better, just because everyone else came back to the pack. So I think in the very short term, they might be okay, but you mentioned Mike Martz. He was even harsher on Trey Lance. Lance. He came on on my show and said he could see a hundred starts out of Trey Lance and he'll never be a player. Like made me want to root for the kid. I just, I just felt bad for him. Uh, That was just such a tough spot. And then, we don't know yet, obviously, how bad the injury is. Shanahan said season-ending ankle surgery, but like he's a huge dude who relies on athleticism. Like you hope he doesn't lose a step and this has career ramifications for him. And all of a sudden it's held against him going forward. And then Seattle, I was thinking of you, man. <laughs> like, we, we, week, 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 week one was their Super Bowl. Like Seattle is who we thought they were. They, they look top five pick ready today. There's not a lot there.
1: Yeah, Geno Smith was under 200 yards. He looked like Geno. He threw an interception. Their only scores because of a special team's play. Seattle, and then Carroll's first comment after the game was like, we did not have a lot of time. You know, this was a tough, basically exactly what I told you, that they had put all their eggs in the basket of beating Russell Wilson and had nothing left for this game. Danny, I'm loving it in Pittsburgh. It was a tough day for the Steelers, but I got to watch two AFC North teams choke and I'm not sure which choke job was worst. We'll get to the Browns later, but how did the frigging Ravens lose? I, I was, no I had checked out on that game completely, and because Sunday Ticket is a disaster, I had given up on that. So I was just going with my local affiliate football today, like it was 1994.
0: <laughs> and
1: the Steelers game ended, and they took me to Baltimore, where it was fucking tied at 35. <laughs> And I'm like, wait a second here.
0: Okay. So I was feeling for all you Sunday ticketers out there. I, I was multiple screens and, and red zone. So I, I was good. But
1: Jackson had a 79 yard touchdown run. They go up. Th- it's like a coronation.
0: They go up three scores and then it's tied and then they lose. Dude, Lamar, Lamar looked like the MVP today. This was, this was not on Lamar. Well, that's not Lamar. what Tua's
1: two- stat line would tell you, but continue.
0: Well, okay, yeah, no, no, fair, fair enough. But but Tua's stat line, I, I mean, good for Tua because he's caught a lot of shit. But he was underthrowing Tyreek Hill on multiple of those balls. Tyreek's just waiting under it like it's a punt. And there yep. isn't a Ravens secondary player within five yards of him. Yep. How, how, how many times – like on the 60-yarder that gave the Dolphins the lead, to the one to Tyreek Hill – The cornerback for the Ravens just stood there. And they are like, well, he must have thought he had safety help over the top. I'm not sure what defense exists where you don't run with Tyreek Hill. Like, safety is supposed to be help. It's not just like, let me pass off to the safety. Like, it was was insane. Like, there were so many busted coverages for the Ravens. They completely choked. It was ridiculous. But I got to say, man, like, Six touchdowns and 460-something yards for Tua with Waddle and Hill, who we talked about them being maybe the best duo of wide receivers in the NFL already. Like It's the type of game and stat line that's going to probably buy Tua some job security beyond this year. Mike McDaniel and that team, they look like they might be the highest scoring offense in the NFL this year. They're incredible.
1: Well, they've got the weapons. It all comes down to Tua. I've always been a Tua guy. I don't think he should have played his rookie year more so because the hip injury, it was a sophisticated, complicated thing. He got rushed in there. He looked bad. It got held against him. He went back in late last year. The team played better with him and they got him a better offensive coach and better weapons. So that's why I've been a big fan of his and a believer. That's why I picked the dolphins to win the division before the year started. The the thing about Baltimore that is so confounding as someone that watches them all the time, because I'm in Pittsburgh, their secondary is always their bread and butter. I mean they always have great corners and safeties and, and they've got was there today. yeah Peter's played, Humphreys played. Uh, I think Marcus Williams, who came over from New Orleans, uh, two games in looks like a like a, like, a, like a lemon like they want their money back. And then sometimes the Ravens they have a reputation. every time they make a pick, everybody on draft they, all these draft experts kiss their ass like they've got every answer because it's funny they usually just go by the consensus highest ranked player. So everybody just, you know, it's confirmation bias for all these draft pricks. And Kyle Hamilton looks like he blows. I mean, there's (laughs) a reason, dude, there's a reason why he started as like, oh, my God, is he going to be a safety that goes with the number two pick in the draft? And he fell into the teens. And when Baltimore took him, it's over Jordan Davis, mind you. Everybody went crazy. And he looked bad in training camp. He didn't play better in the preseason, and he's out there getting beaten like a drum today on these long plays. So, you know, sometimes these guys drop in the draft for a reason, I guess, is the moral of the story.
0: Yeah, the, the blown coverages were ridiculous. I thought that was more the story there. Um